I'm going to play hero ball one way or another. You call it the, the fading Uruguay. Yeah. <laughs> and I want that Uruguay equivalent of Kobe is, and that's what he yelled. Forlan. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> After a flurry of activity, both in the summer and winter transfer windows, our Arsenal squad has finally settled a little bit. There are still a few targets that we plan on revisiting in the summer, but for the most part, this is the team that we're going forward with, and it looks very different to the one that was here when we started. Our back three was full of older castoffs from bigger clubs like Socrates and David Luiz, and perennial underachievers like Mustafi. They have all now either already been replaced or will be soon with Upamakano and Konate starting pretty much every meaningful game this season, Mohamed Salisu and Rob Holding coming in for cup ties and rotation minutes, and William Saliba waiting ever so patiently in the wings. In the midfield, Ozil and Xhaka have been phased out in favor of younger, more mobile options like Fabian, Dani Ceballos, and now James Madison. But the most glaring difference, of course, is in the front three, where we began the season with two of the best forwards in England, only to sell them to help fund our rebuild. Lacazette is over in Spain trying to keep Valencia in the Champions League now, where he will be matched up at least twice a year against his former teammate, and potential symbol of future Arsenal regret, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, now of Real Madrid. Together, their sales brought in nearly £150 million, which, coincidentally, is more than all of our next opponent's squad is worth combined. We certainly hope that our play reflects that, because this one is a little personal. When people now ask me if I like football, I say yes, I do like football, but not Burnley. Burnley can f*** off. And hello, wherever you happen to be, our action comes to you from Turf Moor here on the northwest of England. This match against Burnley is our first chance to test our new front three, Sané, Pepe, and Balde. We determined that the rhyme scheme will make for a very easy marketing campaign, but there's another thing that these guys have in common that will hopefully get some butts in seats, and out of them at the right moments too. Boom. So much speed. Yeah. On the 90s. So very beautiful. so many Before the match begins, we see Sané, the most expensive of our signings this season, warming up for the first time in his new number 7 shirt. It is borderline erotic. However, we do realize the irony of all the guys we've signed being introduced in this particular match. Uh, we brought all these uh, world-class players in and they're over here playing at Turf Moor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fun things go to die. <laughs> Our feelings about Burnley, or more accurately, my feelings about Burnley, have been well documented up to this point. But it must be said that this appears to be a very different Burnley than the one we played in the fall. A more glamorous Burnley even, although the bar was pretty low for that sort of thing. They've been busy in the transfer market too and have upgraded at several positions, somehow convincing the likes of Medea de Siglio to swap winning titles in Turin for battling for mid-table supremacy in East Lancashire. They've also gotten younger, adding American international Big John Brooks to their backline, as well as up-and-coming Celta Vigo winger Bryce Mendez. They've also made moves to try and move on from aging forward Ashley Barnes, replacing him in the rotation with Jean-Pierre Insame from Swiss side BSC Young Boys, who immediately goes about doing his best to ruin Sané's debut, and all of our moods. Well, this is not good. <laughs> uh, well, it could have started better. Uh, what's a Shakespearean word for uh, asinine? I don't know. Probably asinine. I had to guess. 
it's a frustrating goal to give up here early on in the match. Burnley show how much they've changed their approach through what was actually a pretty good-looking passing sequence, which sets Bryce Mendez up for a shot on goal. If that had been the way they got on the board, all we could have done is applaud, but Brad actually saves that effort. Unfortunately, though, he palms it back into the middle of the penalty area, and before our defenders have time to react, Insame leaps through the air like LeBron and heads the ball into the back of the net for 1-0. We suddenly realize that spending most of our transfer haul on attackers may or may not have been the right way to go. All we can do now is hope that our new front three can find a way to bring us back into this match. That's what we paid for, after all. However, through the first 20 minutes or so, the lack of time these guys have spent playing together becomes pretty apparent. Runs aren't being anticipated, passes aren't reaching their targets when they need to, and the attack just looks sort of disjointed. With three players, Sané, Madison, and Balde, making their Premier League debuts in this match, this kind of behavior was to be expected to some extent. But now that we're down 1-0, we can't really afford to be a science experiment anymore. We're still fighting for a Champions League place, and even in a tough road match, we need to find a way to win. We're not so much an orchestra at this point, as we are a group of soloists. But to our great relief, in the 20th minute, Sané shows us that soloists can still make sweet music, even if it's entirely on their own. Have some of that! It's just too simple. <laughs> That's what we paid for. <laughs> Sané takes the ball off Jack Quirk, about 40 yards from goal, and proceeds to pass it to... nobody. Instead, he runs right at the Burnley backline himself using his pace to get by Cork and Brooks, and then dribbling around James Tarkovsky like he isn't even there. From that point, he's one-on-one -on -one with the keeper, and even though Nick Pope is turning out to be one of the best in England, not even he can stop Sané's shot, on his weaker foot no less. You know he wanted to make a good impression on his debut, but that was better than good. That was some Ballon d'Or type stuff, and up in the box, we're feeling some serious validation about all the money we spend to bring him in. 20 minutes in, we're back tied up 1-1. Now you would hope that an effort like that would inspire the rest of our team to go out and take charge of this match. But as has been demonstrated several times over the course of this season, the only thing that you can consistently expect from our arsenal is inconsistency, especially on the defensive end. Not even seven minutes after Sané's equalizer, we're trying to build out from the back when Brad makes an uncharacteristically poor decision. His long throw for Sané isn't quite long enough, and it hits Matthew Lowton right in the chest. One pass, and a poor attempt at an offside trap from David Luiz later, and the ball's back at Insami's feet in the penalty area, with only Brad between him and a second goal. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> Why? Maybe we should have brought that back. <laughs> Brad comes out to meet the shot, but even though he gets a good chunk of his left arm to it, the ball still finds a way into the back of the net. The defense didn't do him any favors, but for one of the only times this season that we can remember, it's pretty clear that Brad could have done more to prevent this from happening. Now, it's 2-1 to Burnley, and we're right back where we were a few minutes ago. What follows from this point on is an exercise in attacking futility. Without Sané being able to go into god mode on command, which is an unrealistic expectation for him anyway, our front three struggles to find a rhythm. Keita is as fast a striker as there is on the continent, but he struggles to hold up play or get on the end of crosses, which is to say that we're being made very aware of the difference between his level and Aubameyang's. Sané and Pepe are both deadly wingers, but as they are wont to do, Burnley are just putting everyone behind the ball and daring them to shoot from long range at their star keeper. Fabian and Madison are pretty much being taken out of this game completely, 
and the wingbacks can only fire in crosses to a striker who isn't very good at attacking them. Making all of this worse is that we're going at one of the most well-organized defenses in England, and as you might expect, that starts to get pretty frustrating. There are a lot of attacks like that that go unfinished, many crosses that go unmet, and multiple sassy comments from Lee Dixon before this one ends. And when it does, the score is unchanged. A humbling 2-1 loss for the Arsenal on Sané's debut. For the second time this season, we've dropped points to Burnley. Does anyone have anything heavy for me to bang my head against? The international break that's about to start is actually coming at a pretty ideal time. Because while this squad has a lot of talent on it, they haven't had much time to work together at all. We're surprised and a little dismayed at how few of our guys get called up to represent their countries, but we also recognize it as an opportunity for our new squad to match a little bit. This will give players like Sané and Balde, both of whom have been left out of their country's national team lists, a couple of good, solid weeks to train with the first team and get their feet under them. There's a goal scorer here in this bunch, and maybe a match winner too. He just hasn't revealed himself yet, so to speak. When our guys get back from the break, the new signings make it sort of feel like a new season is starting, and in that sense, it's quite appropriate that our first match is against Newcastle, the same team we started the season against back in August. And just like in that one, there were some early fireworks in this match as well, but not in the form of a goal. Ow. Get him out of here! It's more than a yellow. It's a red! Lord Voldemort. Newcastle's John Joe Shelby, aka Voldemort, comes in with a horrible challenge on Ceballos, and is subsequently sent to Azkaban for it. I realize that that metaphor breaks down somewhat when you consider that Azkaban couldn't possibly hope to hold real Voldemort, but I digress. Was he under the Imperious curse? We'll never know. But only a few minutes into the match, the Toon Army are down to 10 men. And in a game where we've already had a couple of cracks at goal, and need to find a way to score goals in the league as quickly as possible, that comes as excellent news. It's a chance that we can't afford to not take. And thankfully, we do. We spend the remainder of this match systematically tearing 10-man Newcastle to shreds, beginning with the strike from the man who recently became our top goal scorer overnight. Composed! <laughs> they can love the schneid. Now. Let out of breath now. It helps when they don't have as many players as us. Pepe's first goal in a long time. You know, a while back, I made a comment about Pepe possibly being the potential Henri figure amongst this group of players. That comment got some pushback from the other members of the staff, especially as his goals have dried up recently. But I'm still not convinced I was wrong. This goal, as the English like to say, broke Pepe's duck. And like a true goal scorer, once he got a taste, all he wanted was more. Well, he's doubled up here with his second goal, and he took it in excellent style, just like the first one. This goal from Pepe was truly a full team effort, and many of the players involved are guys that we just signed. Off of a turnover forced by a new centre-back signing, Mohamed Salisu, James Madison finds Keita Balde with a lofted through ball down the right, and with his speed, you know that there's a chance for this to turn into something positive. There's been a lot written over the past couple of weeks about Keita not having scored yet, but he's been getting himself in good positions, and with his skills, we're pretty certain that that's going to come eventually. He's also finding other ways to help the team, which in this case means pulling a ball back into the box for Pepe's second goal. He does nearly the exact same thing for Sané's goal a few minutes later, streaking down Newcastle's left flank, 
only to pass the ball back into the danger area for someone else to finish. Keita may not be a world-class striker like Alba, but he's a good player that can make things happen, and his performance in this match in particular gives us a glimpse of what he might be able to offer us going forward. Despite the lack of a goal from an out-and-out -out striker, our attack is dominating this match, and they're still not done. The piece de resistance comes about 10 minutes into the second half, when a sloppy tackle from Florian Lejeune outside the box brings about calls for another red card, only for the referee to produce a yellow instead. Most of the Arsenal players protest, but Pepe, who's sitting on a hat-trick at this point, only has eyes for the free kick. He waves away James Madison, takes a couple of steps back, and delivers a moment of absolute wonder. Have some of that. I, I hear something. Yeah. I hear something. Yeah. It's Pepe's hat trick. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> it's been a long time coming. Pepe's free kick is an absolute belter, flying over the Newcastle wall and into the back of the net before Dubravka has even had the chance to dive. It's a cherry on top of an amazing performance from our record signing, a hat trick that's been months in the making and is well, well deserved. Based on this match alone, he's one tenth of the way to 30. Our next match begins a new phase of a competition that we've admittedly ignored a little bit to this point, mostly because we're mildly embarrassed to be involved with it, but the loss to Burnley knocked us down the table a little bit, and the Europa League provides a way back into the conversation should we not qualify for the Champions League through traditional means. The round of 32 starts right after our match against Newcastle, and for our first knockout tie, we've been drawn with FC Nor... <clears throat> FC Norrkipping? Norrkropping? Not sure. But they're from Sweden, and that's who we're playing. And through the first 45 minutes, we're still level at nil-nil, being made keenly aware that especially with our recent departures, our rotated squad is a little thin in the attack. Even still, without a real striker threat, there have been a couple of chances, and we've got a couple of cards left in our hand, should we need to play them, to try and put the game away. I'm encouraged that we're, we're getting a couple of chances. Yes. And so presumably... We have some horses left in the stable, so if we need to bring them out. As the second half begins, and we still don't have a goal, we've got one hand on the cage door to let Sané out onto the pitch. But in the 49th minute, something unexpected happens. We've scored a lot of goals this season, but very few of them, like a minuscule percentage, have been scored from set pieces, and even fewer from free kicks. And none of them have been from across. None. So, of course, after all the attempts that we had on goal in the first half, and all the complaints we've had about strikers not scoring, it's Eddie and Kedia rising up off of a free kick into the box that finally breaks the deadlock. Well, just look at this cross, Derek. It's all about the ball in the box. It's a brilliant effort, and it's a great goal to Boot. It was a great goal, but strictly speaking, Boots didn't really have anything to do with it. <laughs> off of a cross from Saka, and Kedia, not normally known as a threat in the air, skies above the Norcopping defense, and sends a lovely glanced header off of the far post and into the back of the net. We finally got the lead, and thanks to a late goal from Sané, it would be a lead that we wouldn't relinquish. Still no goals from Keita, but for the first time in about a month, a striker has scored a goal for Arsenal in a competitive match. There will be a second leg at home in about a week, but our two-goal cushion has us feeling pretty comfortable about our chances to advance. This season has been kind of crazy though, so I guess you never know. A 2-2 draw in our next league match against Everton sees handsome James Madison get his first goal for the club. Well, it has been coming, this equaliser, but it's taken them some time. Oh, we're going to see a winner here. I think we might. It is a goal for Arsenal. 
I think he's picked him out from that left-hand side. Wonderful delivery. Really accurate cross. And Kedia fires in two in our second leg against Norcropping, but there are still no goals from Keda. And now, in the beginning of March, there have been no goals from a number nine in the league since the middle of January. Our greatest hope in that department, our starting striker, Keda Balde, hasn't scored at all. And as we prepare for our FA Cup fifth round tie against Birmingham City, a highly winnable match that he will almost certainly be rested for, it doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon. This match, however, turns into one of the most hotly contested of our entire season. This is Birmingham City's biggest game of the campaign so far, bar none, and they are not messing around. Our players struggle to match their intensity, especially going forward. By the time we get to the middle of the second half, it's still nil-nil. Our players are rapidly running out of energy, and as the game heads towards extra time, tied nil-nil, we're running out of ideas too. Need goals. <laughs> um, I, Nelson's also dead. Yeah, this is not great. Well, it's the FA Cup, so it'll be a replay. So that's good, at least. Oh, David, we're winning this game. I mean, we want to, yes. But uh, the odds are not in our favor. Desperate for a goal, we throw Keita and Sané onto the field, tired as they may be. The first period of extra time comes and goes, but right at the end, in the first minute of stoppage time, a rare chance opens up. Madison plays a through ball into Keita in the box, and it's at this point that our hearts go full on into our throats. This may be our best look at goal of the whole game, and it's fallen at the feet of the player with the least confidence on our whole team. It seems doomed to fail, but come at the hour, come at the man. The Emirates erupts. Keita leaps over the advertising board to celebrate with the fans, and you can feel the relief mixed with joy around the ground. We see out the game, and the party just keeps going. Sure, it's only an FA Cup tie against Birmingham City. That should have been wrapped up half an hour ago, but this is the kind of moment you watch football for. This is a team galvanizing in a moment of shared adversity, right in front of our eyes. This is a club being reinvigorated by its young core, an exciting new vision. And maybe, just maybe, this is a striker who can answer the questions that so many people have been asking. And scene. Greenwood Theater is a Freetime Media production, produced by me, Will Shingleton, and David Coggin. I've got to go out of town this week. So we're going to take a week off from putting out episodes, but we'll have episode seven out for you two weeks from this Friday. If you liked what you've heard and you can spare a minute from watching the Champions League, please leave us a rating and a review. If you want to get in touch with us or give us a question for our question of the week feature, please reach out to us on our Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Career Mode Theater. EA Sports, if you're listening, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs>